to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, looking right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you've decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, all the places you get your good podcast. Uh, if you want to follow us, we are on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook and Twitter is Local Bar Media. Instagram, it's Chad Alexander Online. Uh, if you want to send us a message, do so by one of those uh, platforms. It is a lot easier these days. Um Still trying to figure out some stuff we are doing with the website, working with the company on that. Not quite sure what we're going to do. So if you do want to reach me, hit me up at one of those places. And um, yeah, I got a lot of uh, very positive comments from the last show. Um, really enjoyed uh, having Kinsley on. Uh, if that's if you haven't checked it out, if you've got an aging loved one that's uh, or someone that you think in the next few years you may have to help them with some changes in their life. It is worth listening to that episode. There's great information in there. was able to point a lot of people her way. Uh, really glad to do that. Um, got a great interview this week. A uh, friend of ours, a uh, fellow musician, someone I've played in a couple of bands with, uh, Mr. Kevin Pettit from the band 48 Fables is coming on here in just a little bit. Talk about their, their new album, Here You Go. It's a great great album it just came out last week you can find it uh on the itunes and spotify and all that jazz uh but uh, you can also get it from their website i believe it's 48fables.com he talks about it on the on the on the internet here but uh, a little bit of stuff at the very top of the show here just kind of want to throw a couple things out uh 48 fables is playing at the rhythm on the river uh, uh gig this saturday if you are if you are someone who is in Columbia, in and around the Columbia area, if you have not been to that, that is a is a wonderful uh, venue. It's free. Uh, kids are obviously very welcome. Uh, it's right over the bridge from downtown Columbia, right over the Gervais Street Bridge, uh, right there uh, to your left as you're going towards West Columbia. You can't miss it. Rhythm on the River, it's wonderful. It's, they do the spring and the fall version. It's nice to have it back in the full uh, flows of everything. It's beautiful. Right, it is right. The river is the backdrop to the amphitheater. It's gorgeous. It's very, very wonderful, uh, uh, very underrated, extremely wonderful venue to go to. Uh, so 48 Fables will be playing there this Saturday. There's a band opening up for them. But uh, get there around 6 or 7, get you a good seat. Um, if And I mention it because if you're going to the Rosewood Crawfish Festival this Saturday, uh, there's some great bands that are playing. Cowboy Mouth is headlining it, if you remember them. Uh, I've seen them uh, a couple times over the past couple of years. They they are, if you've never seen them, they are one of those bands you have to see. No one can explain to you exactly what they do unless you've been to one of their shows. They, they are awesome. Uh, your boy here will be playing with his band, The Accused, uh, at like around 11, 1130. Uh, I think Prettier Than Matt's playing on that stage. Uh, quite a few folks we've had on the show. Uh, Soda City Riot. Those guys who have been on the show, they're playing on that stage. And, of course, our boy Don Merkel will be over the acoustic stage that Saturday. So, if you're in Columbia, great weekend of music, starting with my band playing at the Rosewood Crawfish Festival at 11 o'clock. 
ending with our friends on the show this week, 48 Fables, playing at 7 o'clock, not far from the festival. If you are going to the festival, when the festival finishes up, why stop the party? Head over there to the uh, Rhythm on the River. It's a great way to end a music field Saturday. But if that's not enough for you, and you feel like hanging out over here in the bad side of town with all the rest of us in Rosewood. The greatest outdoor music venue in all of the Midlands, Foxfield. Uh, your boy and his boys of the accused will be playing for three hours straight Friday night. So if you really want to do this right and get all the music you can in, uh, come check us out Foxfield Friday night. And then um, when you're hungover, come check us out at the Crawfish Festival. The um, I'm glad the Crawfish Festival has, has, has morphed into what it was. I did a show about it years ago when it moved from the neighborhood venue that it is now. I, I'd be lying if I said it, it hadn't lost a couple of things. Sure, you go from being a neighborhood festival to a bigger city festival. There, there's, there's some intimacy that you lose. There, there's a little bit of the neighborhood um, celebration that we all kind of lost. But I will tell you, uh, they've done a wonderful job with that. And it, and it really is a great festival. Uh, very easy to get to. Parking is a, a lot easier. It's not really the same festival. So if you go to it looking for it to be the same festival, it, it's not. That doesn't mean it's not a great festival on its own. So I can't recommend going to it. Uh, enough it, it is a wonderful downtown festival if you're one of those rosewoodians or shandonites in the columbia area and you stopped going and haven't gone to the new uh to the new area i, I, I would advise you to give it a shot something uh something funny uh hit the news the other day and I and I I, ha, I went down a rabbit hole, and and looked this up, and I can't stop laughing about it. I tell you about this lady. Her name is Amy Harrington. Uh, for those of those of you that I've grown up with that are listeners to the show, yes, we have a friend named Amy Amy Herring, or she was named Amy Herring. She's Amy Lewis now. Uh, no, this is not her. It's Amy Harrington. And I, and I can't stop laughing about this. I actually thought it wasn't true. I, I thought this was like freaking fa- I was like, This is some bullcrap story that somebody pulled over on like some uh, some reporter somewhere and they believed it and, and they followed it. Oh, no, 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 no. This is absolutely true. Not long ago, uh, Miss Harrington was out having a very good time with some friends and she decided to partake in some libations that probably should have resulted in her calling a rideshare to get home. She decided to drive herself and subsequently got pulled over by the local officer in her area who was out looking for people enjoying too much drink that night. Now, this happens all the time. Sadly, we haven't learned our lesson with this, even with as easy as Ubers and Lyfts are. We still believe that we can drive home. Okay, so officer's just doing his or her job and pulling this young lady over uh, because she was obviously impaired. As he pulled her over, asked why, I don't know what she did. I don't know if she ran a stop sign. I think she ran a stop sign. I'm not sure. She ran a stop sign, swerved, whatever the issue was. He got out and talked to this young lady for a moment, realized that his assumptions were probably right. 
need to get her out and have her do a field sobriety test because uh, it looks like she needs to not drive anymore. So she complied, got out of her car, started reciting the ABCs or whatever it is they have you do. Touching your nose. Well, I, I don't know. I, I see that on TV. I don't know if that's a real thing they really do, but they have her out of the car. And then he decides to have her stand on one leg to see if she can stand on one foot for like 10 seconds or whatever it is. This lady, I guess, decides that she needs to make a point. Now, I'm going to tell you, knock on wood, because I, I will I will confess, uh, as any of us that uh, have ever had a drink before in our life will tell you, I have had nights that I probably could have gotten pulled over. I have I have hopefully I believe learned my lesson from that. I I, I even push you know like, like my wife and I are talking about going out. I'm like, yeah, why don't we just Uber out there? Because we're gonna have to Uber back. Let's just not even have part of the debate be our cars there. We don't want to come back and get it today. That's a that's a terrible debate. If you think you might need to call an Uber, you just should go ahead and do it. Right? Better safe than sorry. Spend. $25 instead of $10,000. Look at it that way. Much less the damage you could do to yourself or other people. All right. Local bar media's stance on driving while impaired. We got it out of the way. I think our lawyers are happy with that. But I I understand that some some people want want to try to, to push that. And, and so I don't know because I've luckily never been pulled over back when I was pushing those limits, right? So because of that, I don't really know what they do. I just see it on TV. But apparently, the uh, the the one legged stand test is is a thing that you do. You know, if you ever find yourself in a situation like this, and police officers are asking you just to do a couple of things, I am a, a since we're since we're full of full disclosure on this episode. I am big on uh, if the police take you in, do not talk to them. Get a lawyer. Don't ever, ever, and I'm sorry, police officers, ever talk to them. I'm sorry, guys. Or send me your emails if you want to. I, I've got I've got way too many examples from people that I know firsthand to even answer a question if a cop ever wants to take you in anywhere. Lawyers are there for a reason. Not that I'm condoning lawyers. I'm going to stop there. All right, that, that's enough disclosure for the day. Going back to the original point. Ms. Amy Harrington decided that she was you know, just, just making the point of showing that she could stand on a foot was not good enough. She needed to make an emphatic point that she was certainly okay. So she started doing ballet. Oh, it didn't stop there. And then went into about uh, 30, 40 seconds of river dance. There's a, a spoiler here. Don't bother looking it up. She was arrested, a bunch of misdemeanors and stuff like that. She, she obviously did not make the point she thought she was going to make at that time. Pretty ridiculous uh, when you when you look at this. I mean, that, that's just asinine to think that that's going to do any good. I mean, what you want to do is call less attention to yourself. But, you know, when you've been drinking, that's not really the way that you think. And it went downhill. Um, There's a... 
There's a couple of lessons to be learned in this. <laughs> and we'll come back to that here after the interview. I, I, I want to bring up Kevin Pettit right now. We had a great chance to catch up the other day. Uh, just a little history. Kevin Pettit and I met uh, playing with uh, Don Merkel. I've talked about this when they've been on the show before. Uh, but actually, I met Kevin beforehand at our friend Ace, Andrew Evans, who's been on the show a couple of times. Um, just jamming and playing music over at his house. Uh, met Kevin then. He's a bass player uh, for the Blacksmiths when I played with them. He's gone on to, to play. He's played in a bunch of other bands uh, throughout town. Was was part of Loch Ness Johnny with Ace and Don uh, back in the day when they were pretty big in this area. Uh, has had his band 48 Fables now. They've been a three-piece, I, I want to say for a good three or four years now. Um, and and they've put together some music. But this this album's different. If you're, if you're a music fan, this is a good album I mean, this is a good interview to listen to. There's something that Kevin talks about here that I kind of relate to Miss Amy Harrington that uh, I, I think every now and then those of us that are musicians and especially y'all that that record and do work, uh, there's something neat in this interview that I, I think we all need to be reminded of from time to time. If you're not a musician, do not worry. You're not going to get lost. There's a, there's a lot of really cool lessons uh, in this interview that you'll grab and, and we'll talk about on the other side of the break. But here is a friend of the show, and a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Kevin Pettit, and I will talk to you on the other side. me this week on location is uh, a guy who is no stranger to the show and uh, been around for a while has been uh, been somebody who uh, I've got the chance to play music with but uh, lately and uh, more enjoyably because he doesn't have me in his band I've gotten to listen to some of the good stuff that he does this with me is uh, mr. Kevin Pettit from 48 fables Kevin how you doing man I'm doing all right it's good to see you man you looking good yeah yeah. You. So you, you you guys have you, you've been on the show before, and uh, you've been on the show by yourself a long time ago at the very begin the first iteration of Forty Eight Fables. You were on with the band when y'all were your three piece that you are currently now, 
And now you've got a brand new album that dropped, what, this past weekend, I believe? Came out Friday morning. Right. Yeah, it was past Friday morning, like right. 7 o'clock in the morning. It's called uh, Here You Go. You can find it on all the... Just go ahead and get this off at the top. Yeah. Find it on Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of stuff? All that kind of stuff, okay. yeah, yeah. We went through TuneCore, which we did last time. I think yeah. that, that's kind of the thing, you know, you go... You pay a certain amount, for, and then they, they push it out to all of the streaming... Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. TuneCore? I Tune don't know about, that. I don't yeah, know about yeah. that. What's it? So, let me ask you a question. You, you've you you've been with bands. You've made albums. Wait a minute, are you going to ask me a question? Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> you've been with bands. You've been, uh, you've been, uh, made albums during the past, I don't know, you're, you're, you're 70 years old now. So, yeah. over the past seven yeah. decades. Um, what's it like producing an album now? I mean, I know the, the reach is, seems to be there, but is it confusing finding the ways to get your albums out, or is it easier than I think? So your question is more not about making the album, but like after you record it, what you do with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really good question to to think about because um, I or we kind of had our minds changed a bit. We we recorded this one in Marietta with an old uh, buddy of mine, Johnny Daly. Um, I used to play with him when I lived in Atlanta, and he played with tons of people and uh, they all know him there and um, he made the point that whatever you get through you need to have a hard copy like if mp3s are you know like if if your music is only released on Spotify or something or streaming that's kind of in the ether you know you don't have like an like an actual album to that you could hold on to. Like if the you know if, if the internet went down, you couldn't you wouldn't have the music, right? So it's kind of a throwback thing. I mean, and so it was really it was the cheapest alternative to you know we got we only bought like fifty CDs because God knows I've got so many CDs. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, with the different yeah. bands that are still like in my shed and stuff like that. So um, that way we just kept the, the cost really low, you know, and um, hell if we sell <laughs> if we sell I think thirty CDs, we pay for cost of the CDs and the stickers. Oh, really? We're selling them for $10, you get a CD, and you get a sticker. So we just, and we've already sold five. I like that idea. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very doomsday prepper kind of approach yeah. towards music, but I think there's, I, think, I, I, I can kind of see some other things about that too. There's something about, and maybe it's just a generational thing with us, but there is something about physically having, hey, here's an album yeah. that I did. And not just, I mean, I'm a guy who does this show on the internet. I don't have a copy of anything that I do. It, it sometimes feels very intangible to me. Yeah. Just, yeah. just with that too. So I, I completely get where you're coming from. Well, um, this album, I've heard, I've heard the songs on this album. I, I, I know a lot of them because uh, we've played some gigs together. And I, you write, you, do you write all the songs on this album? I and didn't I, write one of them. Okay, but you generally will write the songs, right? All right. Well, now on the album. We discuss this. All three of us get equal credit. Okay. Whenever you go through TuneCore and you fill out the songwriter and all that kind of stuff, all the credits, I list myself, Chris Howard, Kevin Brewer as the songwriters because 
really how it came. I, I couldn't do this on my own, okay? And um, and I feel like the songs are just as much theirs as they are mine. I came up with the melody, the chords, um, the rhythm, basically, for it. And then I would bring it. I would bring it to the guys, and we'd play it. And then, um, you know, if it was something that we wanted to work on, then they would take off. Sometimes I would get together with Chris first, and he would work on, um, He, you know, he's such a good guitar player. He could add all the guitar things that I couldn't, and he could come up with different things that I wouldn't think about and arranging and everything. And then we bring that to Brewer, and that guy just finishes it. You know, it's like he puts down that rhythm, whatever that rhythm is, or he'll say, all right, we can do it A, B, or C, these two different rhythms, and he'll play those, maybe what he hears, or, you know, all right, speed it up, slow it down, whatever it might be, and and he will, he pretty much always comes up with the beginning, he comes up with the ends, um, arrangement-wise, Kevin is the arranger, so, um, yeah, I, I wrote the lyrics, and you know, initially they were mine. But if I didn't do this album with those two guys, it would not it would be not that. Album. It would not. Yeah, it would be because like completely different. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think you and I have talked about this before, but you wrote like the the ghost of Michael Lanigan a long time ago, right? Like that was that was, a, that was one from like a long time ago. That was a weird one, like when we decided to go as a three-piece and Kevin and I kind of took it on ourselves to start writing. I was like, well, I've, d- I've done a bit of writing before, but it's been a long time. So I needed to kind of kickstart things, okay. I guess. And and I, yeah, and then I remembered this song I'd written back in the early days of Loch Ness Johnny. I was just in the throes of Irish music, you know. And I came up with this song and um, and I really liked it. it was like a um, it's a ballad you know it's a story yeah. it's yeah. a yeah. death ballad type thing and um, anyway so and then it never went anywhere you know I mean the, the, you know with, with Donald writing and everything we didn't we didn't need you know I and I don't know maybe I didn't even have the balls to bring it up I, I don't know but anyway we never used it and then I just kind of forgot about it and then couple of years ago I think I was cleaning something out like a desk maybe at my school oh it's changing rooms and I found some of the lyrics not, not all of them or but kidding. some of them <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about this song you know and uh, so over the course of I swear it took like two weeks I would this is in the summer I'd be like cutting grass or something and I would be singing it and then I would remember something and I, I would keep like a new notebook with me and I write or I would run somewhere and I would write it down I was like yeah that's the next one because I knew kind of the story but I couldn't remember the entire story so over the course of several weeks I um, was able to put it together and I brought it to Chris and he liked it a lot but it was like but I didn't have a chorus right and I tried with messed around for another couple weeks with a couple of different things and then finally the chorus came to me and it just it worked fine you know it worked yeah and um and then you know it just all fell together and then you get you bring brewer in there he adds the the beat and has some different 
and and actually we've even changed the arrangements of that we changed the arrangement of that right before we went and recorded so just a little bit what was your what was your desire to uh, what was the drive behind uh, going all the way to Marietta and and recording with Johnny Daly was it your connection with him did y'all want to, did y'all need something that was just different than what you're getting okay. around here this is what happened last summer it was in August I took Lydia my oldest to Oglethorpe University yeah. for a volleyball thing okay. thing and um, like a, a workshop I think and she was checking out the college we we she'd been taking a couple of college tours and. So while we were there, I hooked up with, I was like, I got to see Johnny and Rick Stowe, another friend of mine. Well, I got in touch with them like months before, said, I'm coming to Atlanta, let's get together. So um, it was the last day we were there. Lydia and I met Johnny at um, a restaurant. He picked it out. He's also uh, vegan. My, you know, And Jessica's, I mean, um, well, Jessica and Lydia are both vegans. So we went to this restaurant together, and I hadn't seen him since since I moved there from like I moved there in '96, and you know I just he was a big influence to me. I mean, you don't know. I mean, this guy turned down playing with the Black Crows. They Rich called him. Um, Rich Robinson, I guess, yeah, called him up yeah. after he did some work for him. And Johnny, he doesn't like talking about all this stuff, you know. But um, anyway, he, he had known the brothers for a while and blah, blah, blah. He went and he did some slide guitar work for him for their new album. And they immediately called him the next day and said, man, you got to quit playing with these other people. He was playing with Michelle Malone and some other people. And he was very derogatory about these other people. He was like, they're not going anywhere. We're about to be huge. You know, we could just sign with this big, you know, company. And, you know, we're, we're going to be, you know. Well, and, and he was right. They were. But Johnny was like, fuck you. And hung up on it. Really? Like, you don't talk to you don't about, talk about my like friends that. like yeah. that, you know. But, I mean, he, he played with tons of people. They all, all know him. And he's just like this guru, man. He was so good. So. Anyway, we're sitting there in the restaurant, and he was asking me what I was doing. Because he kind of keeps up with me, you know, via Facebook a little bit. He's not on there much, but he knew I was still playing. And we've texted back and forth over the years. And he said, man, you ought to come and record at my studio. And, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, right. Uh, he, goes, <laughs> he goes, no, really, you, um, I've, I've just uh, redesigned it. He had a tree fall in his house, and he had rebuilt everything. And he says, I won't charge you anything. Just, just come, you know, you just got to find a place to stay. I was like, wow, Johnny, right. man, or if you're <laughs> serious, don't say that yeah. because I'm looking for a place to record. And um, I didn't really want to record in Columbia anymore. I've done it so much. I was looking for something different. I was looking for someone who would also be our producer not just someone to twiddle the knobs so here's this musical hero of mine asking us to come bring the band and he will record for free you know pro bono said I don't anyway so um, we worked out a date we went there 
you know, and Kevin and Chris, you know, absolutely just loved it. The whole experience was fantastic, and and he really worked us hard, extremely yeah. hard. But we spent, uh, we went, oh, we had played Allendahl on Wednesday, spent the night. At the, uh, way at the Allendahl Green, like way in the middle yeah, of nowhere? Dude, yeah, we played that on Wait, Wednesday. the drive from Charleston to Atlanta is awful yes. anyway, starting yes. in Allendahl. we were on the road for like seven hours. <laughs> Longer, because then we stopped in Augusta, Kevin used to live in Augusta, and we had lunch there, and did some shopping, and, you know, messing around, and then, uh, and then we ended up going, and then we had a uh, Airbnb in uh, Marietta, wasn't too far from his house. So anyway, we knocked out over that two days, I guess, uh, about two days. We recorded um, all the rhythm tracks, got all that done, and then we came back about two months late. No, about a month later. Yeah, we came back at the end of January. And knocked out the rest of it. And just, man, but we had been practicing those songs over and over, just the pre production. Like, I didn't want to go in and, you know, mess around with Johnny. You know, I wanted to, I wanted him to know how you serious, were serious we were. Yeah. yeah. And we had all our parts worked out. Um, but he, after hearing us, you know, he was like, he really wanted to do it old school. And he said, "Do y'all want to do a click?" And he talked about, you know, you know, the positives and negatives, and and we were like, ah. and he kind of pushed us, like, I think you, you know, you're good without a click. So, you know, let's let's if it gets to be, let's try a few, and you know. So we did the whole thing without a click, and he doesn't even entertain the idea of auto tune. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't doesn't do that. I, I guess he said that he could, but he'd rather not. He's like, dude, you can sing it, just sing it. Yeah, you know. And it's like if you don't get it right, you go back and Try sing it again. It. Yeah, there's no cheating. Let me you know? let me see. He was really hard on us like that. Let me go into this. You, you brought up something, and and I think you know. Keep in mind, a lot of people that listen to the show aren't aren't musicians or anything. You talked about the desire and the need, kind of, to go and record somewhere else. Talk a little bit about why that's important. Why is it? I mean, you know, most people think you go to the studio. It's this, it's this very uh, bland thing. It's a very, um, uh, you know, there's no shape or form to it. Right. But, but each each studio kind of has its own soul. What what was that like for you to want right. to reach out and do something? Look, completely man, different? his studio is his living room, basically, that he has set up. There's no sound room, you know, like he's there with us. Right. You know, and we recorded everything live, you know, took a couple of takes, got every, you know, drums, bass, rhythm guitar. He had a couple of guitars that um, Chris borrowed. Um, we wanted to get away, you know, we're away, just the three of us. We had this cool little Airbnb house. So we would get up in the morning, go down there, we have, we'd cook breakfast, we'd go down there, spend all day at Johnny's and we'd all go out to eat somewhere and and then we would go back and open up a bottle of bourbon and beer you know and then we'd we would sit there on this little couch we had the three of us and it was whenever that Beatles um, documentary special came out yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah so we would sit there until Kevin would start snoring really loud <laughs> <laughs> we would go to our separate rooms you know? 
<laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great, it was great. You know, you leave everything behind. You're just there as a band to record, you know, and we got along great. You know, I mean, the three of us, there was no arguments or anything like that. Um, it, and got along great with Johnny. And I just, Johnny has a different way of recording. I never recorded with someone. He just has such a ear for detail and what he wants. And then, and he has so many different ideas. Like, if you listen to all the different guitar tones he got from Chris, and we went in kind of thinking we were going to have like one electric guitar tone. But he was like, nah, man, especially with three piece, you're going to need some more. Okay. So mm. he had, uh, what's he got? This great big, big Gretsch that he played on one. He had this 1950 something acoustic that he plays on the ship at the end. It's beautiful. Um, but most of it he played with his Gibson SG. But you know, different tonalities and everything. He did all kinds of different stuff. He put a, um, like, he used a different kind of a tone on my bass. He put like a little bit of distortion on it. All right. Just a little bit, you know, fattened it up. Kind of like, uh, kind of got that, um, what's his name, Dusty from um, uh, ZZ Top. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. That, that tone, and I just love it. And I asked him about it, and he, he actually, right after I got home, was like, I've got to have that tone. So he recommended this pedal that I got. So I just, I, I bought that like immediately. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's a Sans amp and it sounds freaking amazing. I love it. But um, yeah, we just wanted to get away, a whole different kind of a place. Um, we ended up spending about the same amount of money as you would like if you were to go to Archer or Jam Room or somewhere. Um, but that we ended up spending that money on gas, sure. Airbnb, yeah, food. You know, well, actually, we brought a lot of food with us because we had a kitchen. So we did a lot of cooking. Um, Kevin and I took turns cooking, um, but it was completely worth it. Just and that, I mean, the next time we're we were all we're going back there. We're going. That's going to be where we record. Well, also, it's something that you can't get. I was telling Jessica, if you have the opportunity to go to Atlanta and record with somebody like Johnny D, if you because you know him and you have that opportunity, he'd be crazy not not to, to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know? What um what do you think something like an experience like that will do for the band moving forward? I mean, if you just had to guess, does it does it help? I mean, does that help you kind of uh, work together a different way? You think was that was there something you saw in the way y'all work together there? you've never really seen in this band that you've been with for years uh i don't know man we've all we've always the three of us since we committed to this three-piece thing we have our personalities work pretty well together and um you know we push each other and we and we have similar ideas like we didn't go into it Okay, there are people that we all know that maybe they've been into Americana type rock music or whatever for a long time, but then whenever their albums come out, it doesn't sound anything like that. It's like complete departure. Well, that's what we like. We like loud guitars. We like, you know, kicking rhythms and everything. Um, we like harmonies and we like 
a good catchy song that people can sing along to. Yeah. And that's what we did. You know, we we didn't go in there to uh, be experimental. We went in there after rehearsing those songs the way we wanted them um, for close to a year, and and that's what we did. You know, we wanted to, to make a, a good rock album that sounds like something that it could have been recorded in the 70s, you what, know. What's your favorite thing about this album? I like the overall sound of it. It's, um, you don't get bored because the songs do sound different. They're, they have, you know, different, um, the songs themselves innately sound different, but the tones that he got on the guitars and the uh, drums and bass and the, and also, you know, there's, Kevin sings five and I sing five. Mm. So you got two different lead vocals going on. There's good interplay with the harmonies. But I'll, overall, that's the kind of music I like, this rockin' Americana. You mm -hmm. know, some of it sounds pretty country, uh, but not overly. Nothing is too aggressive, I guess, but it's but it's definitely it's a rock album, you yeah. know. And I just I like that sound. I like that kind of Now y'all are coming so speaking of your sound, anytime we've played with y'all, y'all sound fantastic live. Thank You're you. not someone who what you what you do in the studio gets lost when y'all are live. Y'all are y'all are fantastic live as a matter of fact. I think you should think about it. if you could ever cut a live album, I'd do it. Um you guys have got Stillwater Taproom coming up. Is that this weekend? That Did was uh, that was this past weekend. Yeah, that was Friday. How would that go? It went well. It was it's, great to that, be back. But that there, stage man. is built for you because you're a three piece. Because yeah. it's not bigger for anybody yeah. else. <laughs> Chris was saying, "Man, this is the most room I've ever had up here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For yeah. anyone who doesn't know, it is the yeah. I think the smallest stage in the southeast. It is got it is a very tiny stage. I don't, there was a place in Savannah that we played with uh, Loch Ness Johnny a couple of times and. It's like O'Connell's or something, this little tiny Irish bar. And I remember literally walking in and walking out within like two seconds, like walk in the front door and out the back door. It's like, I got missed it. How do we miss it? Yeah. It was, but well, yeah, this is really I did, small. I did miss the stage at... Um, the Royal American. I walked in and I couldn't. Oh, find. I think yeah. you, had to, you had to point it out to me. You're like, it's right there. I'm like, Kevin that's had to point it out to me. You're like, that's the bar. And you're like, no, that's the stage. Like, You've got to be kidding. Yeah, you had to go back behind the bar to get on the stage while they're making drinks, and then climb up. Yeah, yeah and you have to hand your cabinets up and, over. And the it's bar. it's way tall too. It's like yeah, ridiculously it's tall. A weird, yeah. weird stage. But y'all, y'all yeah. had still. Do y'all have any live shows coming up? Yeah, now, uh, Rhythm on the River. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. yeah so. We're doing that this Saturday, and the Water Kickers are opening for us. And then, not the next weekend, the weekend after that, we're doing that thing down at Quail Hollow that y'all played with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hate that we couldn't play with you yeah. this year. That stinks. Yeah, you know what? We ended up getting a DJ. Oh, did you? To play, to do, yeah, we're going to, um, we'll play first, and then we can sit back and let him kind of, you know, yeah, well, that way he, he can also control the sound because that one guy that keeps complaining every year. But yeah. Yeah, what do you do about that? Man? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we've got, and then we just put something, I'm working on something at Foxfield. Uh, we've got a gig in Allendale in August. Um, you played there, y'all played there a good bit, haven't you? At, at, at Allendale Green. Y'all have done a, quite a few shows down there. We played down there. Let's see. 
it wasn't that long ago. We we were supposed to play there. We had one booked, and then Kevin got jury duty. <laughs> okay. It was either this Wednesday or next Wednesday, or the previous Wednesday. Yeah, and he can't couldn't get out of it. So over in Casey. Oh, that stinks. So anyway, yeah, we played. I think we played like in December maybe was the last time we were down there. I think the last time we played down there was whenever we went to um, to record. If you think about it, it's a pretty quick turnaround because we actually recorded in December and then January. And here it is, March. Or, I mean, uh, the, the album got to us in April, at the beginning of April. Yeah. So, yeah, the whole thing was... But that's and you know you can do that if you do the pre-production right you, know? you don't want to like Johnny was saying how he'll have people come in and they they want to write while they're in the studio and it's like I guess if you got all that time or money to burn yeah, say, that's, you a, can that's an expensive way to do that yeah. isn't it yeah yeah but I would rather learn the damn songs go in there and play them and then you can you know you spend time on mixing or fine-tuning guitar parts or vocal parts and, but you know next time we go in there we probably will use a click because it'll be easier to like trade in different things you know sure. like with me and um, it was a it was a fantastic learning experience though. the um, I have to say the artwork to this album is really cool it's a very it's a it's it's pretty simple it just if you glance at it but it, there's a lot of detail in it the 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 background to it looks really neat. The back of it, I love what you did there. You designed all this, right? I take it. Yeah. The um, this like a, this try thing here on the back, whatever. I thought that I had come up with that. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you did. <laughs> yeah, it's that's like pretty the cool. Yin yang, but but with, with the third one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fail, fail. Oh no! Uh, somebody uh, else has. Oh my God, man! All you got to do is look look <laughs> online. <laughs> I was they got him with four. They got him with five. I was about I was to like, give you credit for that. I was so smart. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, that is really snazzy, Kevin. And I thought, yeah. well, at least. Well, I, what I did was I, so I, I wanted to do the three thing, you know, some kind of a symbol with three because of the three of us. Yeah. And then each of these symbols, you know how Zeppelin on yeah. their four album, they, they say pick a symbol. Right. Yeah. So I kind of, um narrowed it down a little bit and I sent some links to Chris and Kevin said y'all pick a symbol that you like uh, and that's what's in what's that. in each one of yeah, them oh yeah, that's cool man them, but. well I so the album is here you go 48 fables uh, you can find it anywhere you you find your music where can people uh, find out more about y'all especially for the shows coming up other than the rhythm on the river which yeah. if you're in the Columbia area and have never been to that show it's one of the nicest outdoor events to go to in this city they do it they do a spring one and a fall one right yep. they still do those yep. um, I think I know they've been off for COVID and everything for a little while yeah but, but they're back full time now yeah that's awesome yeah. where can people go to find out more about you guys um well there's Facebook um you know 48 Fables on Facebook there's uh the real 48 Fables on uh Instagram someone else had Grabbed 48 Fables <laughs> Yeah, it Someone was me. I stole it, so y'all have to buy it from me whenever you're famous. It That's wasn't you, but it was somebody that we know um, who, who uh, still has that, I guess. So anyway, there's the real 48 Fables, and then there's 48fables.com, just our regular, okay. 
you know, um, website. And I noticed uh, we got to change a couple of things on there. And, you know, we're really just kind of getting ramped up now that the, I mean, the, the CD just got here and everything. And um, so we'll be, we'll be printing t-shirts here very soon. Probably in the next month we'll have t-shirts. My, my wife and girls were saying, you know, don't buy, don't spend any money on CDs because people aren't going to buy them. You know, it felt good to prove them wrong at, at still at uh, Stillwater. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, and the thing is, okay, so maybe, you know, I know and not a lot of people have CD players anymore, but you're still just contributing to the band. Yeah. You know, just help us out a little bit. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, maybe you'll get more wear out of that sticker than you will the, the CD. And that's, <laughs> that's okay. All right. Just pay $10 for a sticker and you get a free CD. There you go. But you always got it, you know, if, yeah. you, if, you, if you need it. But there. it does sound better on CD than it does on MP3. Right. It's just more, uh, I don't know what the word for it is. There's more sound actually packed into the CD, whatever the correct verbiage is for that so gotcha and we didn't want to it takes i think it's an 18 month waiting list to, to have a um an, a vinyl album oh my god hear, there was a, there seriously there's a year and a half i think there's only a one place anymore there was another place in the united states that burned down that did it that did um uh that printed lps and so i yeah, and it's so expensive. Really? Yeah, and it's wow. really, really, really expensive to get them made. And then, of course, you got to sell. Dude, I guarantee you, you know anyone who spent money having vinyl pressed? They got a bunch of vinyl around their house. Yeah, yeah. There's only so many people that got. It's not like you can play an album in your car right. while you're out for a walk or something, you know? Right. So you got to be realistic about it. Well, good deal. Well, Kevin, I, I, you know, as someone who's heard a lot of these songs, I, I, I like a lot of these. I love the way y'all perform them. Can't wait to, to put this on and, and take a listen to this. I'm going to actually listen to the CD that you gave me. I'm going to compare it to what I've already listened to okay. with MP3s. Yeah, please, and please. Uh, if you're wrong, I'm going to make fun of you. After I'm kidding, I'm not. No, but uh, Kevin, I'm I'm really really excited about the new album. You guys do a great job, man. And uh, listen, I, uh, whenever you guys got anything going on, we'll certainly promote you on the show. But uh, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, talking yeah, about it. Appreciate it. All right, man. Talk All to right. you soon. Everybody loves Patrick Henry. He's the kind of guy that we appreciate. His bills all time with suit and tie. Has two kids, one dog, and a cat. Patrick teaches math at the high school. Don't complain about pay hard kids. Drives the car he Mr. Kevin Pettit. So glad he's able to spend some time with us to, uh, today or this week. 
It's good to be able to talk to him and uh, get into that uh, discussion about music. So I want to go back to what I was talking about before and kind of kind of wrap things up here with with what what just happened with that interview. Um, I was talking about that lady, Amy Harrington, who decided instead of standing on one foot, decided to do some ballet, a little river dance, probably a couple of Irish jigs in there. Just a little bit too much stuff. And I laughed as I kept looking up more about this. And, of course, I went down a rabbit hole of, of other people that had the chance to either make a point or probably get out of some trouble, but because they let all the extra get in there, they uh, didn't make the point they thought they were going to make. I have a confession to make. I love acoustic music. Years ago, I uh, when I was a kid, I remember an, an interview with Eddie and Alex Van Halen, and they talked about the sound that... Um, the sound that Alex was always trying to to get to match Eddie's guitar, and and the only way he could refer to it was this brown sound. It's just brown. It's just it sounds brown. I gotta find it. Um, I've always felt that way about acoustic music, especially when MTV Unplugged came out, and you had all these bands when. Uh, we had just count, we, you know, we'd kind of come out of the electronic phase. We were in with, uh, you know, all the all the hair bands and all the massive stadium tours, and we were we were getting into grunge and all that. And then, and then MTV Unplugged comes in, in in the midst of all that, and it's why you have this huge uh, meeting of all these different roads of music. This this one form seemed to kind of take a, a step forward that had had been put in the back a little bit. Now, what's funny about that is that's generally how everybody wrote music, still to this day. I mean, most people start out on an acoustic guitar or sitting on, at a piano or, or, or something like that, or something that's very, very individual, and all the wrong notes, and all the out of tune, and all the wrong pitches in your voice when you're singing kind of come out. And I contend that all those little parts have to do with the actual soul of the song. And the further you get away from that, the more of the soul you lose. Soul, you lose. Excuse me, professional podcaster here gets all of his, gets all of his words right. Now that's just my that's just my opinion on. That's just my feeling towards music. I I am I am a piano player. Um I am actually a percussionist. I I, I like that lower end. I play the piano in a very percussion Way I'll tell you this. I've said this to people I've played in bands with. I don't think they hear me when I say this, but I am not a keyboard player. I do it in the cover band that I'm in that you'll see Friday and Saturday if you come out. I play keyboard stuff. I don't really care for that. I do it because we're a cover band and the songs we're playing have keyboard parts in it. If I had my druthers, I would be sitting at a slightly out-of-tune piano playing on the lower half because I play in a different way. <laughs> and much to a lot of bass player chagrin, that's just how I've always done it. When I was at my happiest, when I was writing music with folks that played string instruments and, and, and percussion and, and we played lower end stuff, like that, that was what the soul of all the music I wrote was for. So I understand that I've got more of a desire for, for that end of things. Uh, it's where my ear is. It's actually 
I'm, I'm, I actually don't really. It, I have a hard time singing. I actually sing in a, a baritone voice, not in not in the crap I try to do on stage. But we all have a good time, and it's good to scream every now and then. I say all that because I think it's important to uh, realize in this day and age of uh, of what we do to audio files that there is something that gets lost when we try to do too much. Kevin talked a little bit about going into a studio and it not being so produced. Yes, you can hear imperfections in voices that way. Yes, the, the, the guitar may not sound as crisp or as clean. But I think the bands that play live, that know they play live, aren't, aren't know they play well live, aren't that afraid of it. There's a story about the band Aerosmith. You've heard of them. They've been around for decades and Aerosmith's a funny band. Um, th- there are people that can't stand them. There are people that love them. Uh, but what's very strange about Aerosmith is they they really have kind of transcended a few decades with their music. Um, whether you like them or not, you actually have a favorite Aerosmith song. You, you just might not might not know it. One of the interesting things about that band is when they were in the in the, in the seventies. They were playing a lot of clubs. That's just what you do. It's, it's how we used to do it. We used to not be the club of YouTube. It was just going around playing clubs. And they had this sound that sounded great live. But when they were going into studios, for some reason, something was getting lost. And there was a producer one time that, that had this idea. So he brought the band in, and he told them, all right, guys, uh, before you guys start to work and we, and we when we go through everything, how about all y'all just set up, just set the band up, and let's play. And play and practice, not like you're going to break stuff down. Play like you're playing in front of a group of people. Play like you're playing a gig. Even even set the stand the, the stage up that way. Don't look at each other. So they went through all this. They even got a couple of folks to come in off the street and sit there so Aerosmith could, could play to them. Producer left, and uh, the boys uh, from Boston got playing. And then when they were done, the producers came in and said, "Hey, do, uh, we were having some problems with some electronic equipment. Will y'all run through that again? Do do that. Do uh, how about do these four songs again? Uh, just play it like you're playing a freaking set. And uh, we're gonna see if we, we're gonna use it to kind of test out this stuff. We got this brand new equipment. You're gonna you're gonna love when we do. It. So they played it. Came back in a few minutes later. Had some other excuse. They played a few more songs. About the fourth or fifth time, Stephen Tyler, who is uh, is known for being a little bit eccentric, but especially back in the days of his drinking and drugging, he certainly was, was now tired of it. He's like, guys, I'm not going to waste my voice anymore. I'm going to have to come back three days later. You're going to have to work with the band. And and the producer looked at him and says, "Um, no, come on in. We got the record. Uh, he, he had tricked them into trying to get that live sound by having them all play together. The, the, if you're curious, by the way, they named the album Done With Mirrors because they felt like somebody pulled a magic trick in front of them. Um, it's, it's, and it does. It sounds It sounds like a live album. It's got a live album feel on it. There is something to all this. There is something when you when you get into uh, in the world of everything that's mass produced nowadays. It's it's neat sometimes to feel this. You, talk to your friends. People say all the time, "I love live music." You know why you love live music? Because you're hearing music. You're seeing it. My wife is not a musician, but she is a uh, she is a music lover. I almost said she's a musician lover. She probably has been, but she is now with me. Sure, but she loves music. But if you ask her. What is her favorite thing about music? And she'll tell you it's watching people who are passionate about what they're singing perform. You don't get that 
from the television. You don't get it from the stereo in your car. There's something about not overdoing something to the point of what you think may be perfection or you think may may sell or may 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 be here. We, you can chase those things, and, and those are admirable aspirations to have. You know, one of the things I, I've, I've gotten into a debate one time with someone who asked me why I don't write music anymore. And it was because it got to the point that I got so scared that I would start writing music that other people wanted to buy instead of writing the music that I want to. I still do write music. I, I, I'll admit to you that I'm, I've got this weird creative block to where I don't want to put it out there in the world. Uh, there's a part of me that kind of likes to keep it for me. One of these days I'll probably do something here or there or, or, or maybe pass something along to a friend of mine. Um, but I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to chase that down because I'm not going to make music as a musician. So there's no reason for, for me to do that. But I didn't ever want to lose the soul of what I have. I, and, there's, and, and I'm not saying that every musician that is uh, famous has done that. I, I, some of them have just figured it out. But I worry about that. I'm impressed that, that Kevin and the boys from 48 Fables went into the studio with that idea of I want it to be what it is. Kevin and I sat at a Starbucks beside one of the busiest roads in Lexington. Do you think I was going to try to edit that crap out of the back of it? Heck no. That's two guys sitting around having a conversation the way people do outside of a coffee shop with horns and all. We've lost that. We've gotten into the idea of having a Zoom call where you have to have a, 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 an, an AI-generated background behind you because the wall of your house isn't good enough? The, the kitchen table you're sitting at doesn't work? We have music that is auto-tuned the crap out of it. That Some of it's great music, but very well should have just been written by a computer. And yes, I understand that this sounds very old man of me, but take it outside of the music realm and think about your life. How mass produced is your life? How much do you try to rid of your life of all the imperfections? How much do you try to take away anything that could be perceived as a mistake? I say it all the time. People will ask me what my favorite shows that I've ever done in the seven years I've done this podcast. And I will tell them what they are. And my favorite shows are never anybody else's favorite shows. They're not. They're not. When I ask somebody else to, to say it back, hey, what is your favorite episode you've heard from my show? It's never my favorite things. It's, it's hardly ever the same thing. I'm not saying music producers are the devil. <laughs> but when we try to produce our life, when we look at everybody's Facebook page as what to strive to have ours look like, when we don't want to go meet friends because we're not at this perfect point, when we worry about the anxiety and depression that we've had forced upon us as we've been hidden into holes for two years, think that, well, I, I got, I'll, I'll start hanging out with my friends again when I lose a little bit more weight or when I'm not so stressed or when I'm not so anxiety ridden or maybe if they go here, but not somewhere else. And we start producing our lives in our head about what it's going to look like when I go out instead of sitting at a damn 
coffee shop on the side of a highway and having a conversation with a friend that you've played music with for for years. Why miss out on that? Where are you in your life with your production company? Are you auto-tuning every single thing you do? Maybe it's time to call up the folks from Unplugged and, and sit there and have an acoustic set. Maybe it's time to do something where you don't feel as filtered. Maybe it's time to relax and let go of some of the things that you've put around you to try to make yourself look and sound some standard that you aren't. Where's my where's my mark? Six. I have messed up words six times in this episode. I don't go back and fix them because I want you to feel like you're actually having a conversation with me. And yes, when you have a conversation with me, it is riddled with mistakes. Let's get back to being real. Let's get back to that being okay. Sure, you want to get dolled up and go to a party every now and then. Sure, you want to look the best you can and and take a special certain someone out to dinner. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But there's a place for the other. There's a time for the other. And oh my God, if there was ever a time for it, it is now. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. I know you better than you think you know yourself. You're not so different.